This is episode 18 with Shonda Morales, a psychotherapist specializing in stress-related disorders and mindfulness-based therapy and author of the book, Breathe Mama Breathe. And even body sensations can be really subtle, but the more we start to pay attention to them, they can be filled with so much information uh, for us as moms and also teaching it to our kids. Hey moms, are you tired of being tired? Or maybe yelling at your kids? Or maybe you need to know how to get your strength back postpartum? Or learn to manage your stress trying to do it all? Or just to become a more confident mom? If so, then welcome to Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired. I'm Christiane Bégin, a mother of two, sharing inspiring conversations with wonderful people on how we can be mentally and physically stronger moms, and also including freshly squeezed ideas, a little bit of fun, so you can learn how to find balance, and also how to raise strong, caring, confident kids in today's world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Citrus Love. So today I'm so happy to have this expert on the podcast who is Shonda Morales. So she is a psychotherapist specializing in stress-related disorders and mindfulness-based therapy. She's also a woman's mindful empowerment coach and speaker. She's a wife and a mother of two, an eight-year-old and an 18-year-old. And she wrote a book called Breathe, Mama, Breathe, Five-Minute Mindfulness for Busy Moms. I would absolutely put this as a list of mom must-have books. And the reason why is because she has 67 different ways of releasing tension and just being more mindful, uh, releasing the stress that we do have. Her tips as she shares some really fun, relatable stories about her own mom life and how she uses these five-minute mindfulness breaks. And what I love is that we are always looking for more time. I need more time to do this, or I wish I had more time to do this, or I don't have time because I have kids that are asking for a million things in a day. So what is very useful about her book is that they're five minutes or less. She says you can even start at one or two if you're not used to doing this. I personally don't meditate yet. Um, I do other practices, being very grateful and being in the moment. She has a variety of ways you can be present and release some of the tensions as mothers and es even escape your kids in some of them. So it's really real, it's relatable, and it's simple, and it doesn't take a lot of time. She also released a new book called Breathe and Power Achieve Mindfulness for Women Who Don't Have Time for Mindfulness to Reset, Refocus, and Find Your Work-Life Balance. So you're covered with her books, one for mamas and one for achieving working women. And with all that's been going on in the world, some of the craziness, I'm sure you will find this episode very useful. And Shonda tells us that these are teachings that are lifelong practices. It's not just for specific years, it's to continue applying them throughout your life. 
So if you do enjoy this episode and you think that another mama or woman would enjoy listening to some of these tips, please share it with them. Let me know when when you do share it. Tag me on Instagram, Citrus Love Podcast, or on Facebook at Citrus Love Blog. Without further ado, let's listen in on our conversation. We'll be talking about your book, A Breathe, Mama Breathe, The Five Minutes Mindfulness for Busy Moms, which I loved. Like it was actually fun to read and easy to read. And what I really loved is that in your book, and I counted you had 67 examples. At first, it could seem like, whoa, that's a lot. But I read them here and there uh, a bit one day, a bit another day, and felt good to read them. And so I think that mothers listening today will benefit greatly from reading this book and from hearing how we can learn to breathe and take mindful uh, breaks during our day to calm down and be more present with our family, with ourselves, and with our kids. Let's just uh, break it down first. What is mindfulness? What does it mean to you as a mother, being mindful? Right. So yeah, and a couple of things, um, you know, like I'm glad you said about my book and it the book itself is meant to be picked up and read in little little bite-sized chunks for us busy moms. And that's, you know, that's part of it. So I'm glad you felt it help, found it helpful that way. Uh, yeah, mindfulness in general, what it means is just to be present in the moment with an attitude of kindness and acceptance. So as best we can, we're not judging the moment, we're accepting it is however it is. And uh, you can think about the opposite of mindfulness is running on automatic pilot. And that's that experience we've all had of getting in our car and driving somewhere familiar and recognizing that or realizing that we didn't remember even passing a a landmark or making a turn because we're driving on autopilot. And that we operate in our daily lives on autopilot so often. So mindfulness is the opposite of that. It's interrupting autopilot and coming back and waking up and being aware of what's happening in our lives in that moment. And then you talk about meditation. And I think it's important to talk about the distinction between mindfulness and meditation because people will often confuse the two. Mm -hmm. And meditation is carving out time in our day to practice the skill of mindfulness. So we, and I'm a huge proponent, obviously with my books, five minute Mm -hmm. mindfulness, five minute meditation that I believe we can all carve out five minutes in our day somewhere to meditate. And I think it's really important to just give it a try for a couple of weeks to meditate every day and just see what you notice because it's really about sitting down, getting quiet. We can just notice uh, the belly. When we relax our belly, we notice the belly rises up naturally on the inhale and falls on the exhale. And we sit and pay attention to that. And our mind will wander off and it will do that many, many times during Mm -hmm. meditation in five minutes. And each time we just gently notice, oh, I've wandered off. I bring it back to that home base of the breath and the belly and we begin again. And each time we do this, we're training and building that mindfulness muscle of attention. And so it really does lay the foundation for this skill of mindfulness. And then we can, throughout the day, practice those mindful breaks you talked about, which is really just bringing our attention back to the moment in the midst of our day without needing to go and go somewhere and close our eyes and sit and meditate. It is very simple. It's not always easy because we, especially when we're busy and running on that hamster wheel of constant motion, we start to believe we don't have a moment to stop and take a few breaths, but that's Mm -hmm. exactly when we really need it. 
Mm -hmm. I've realized even that we forget to breathe. It sounds like we are breathing, but we kind of hold our breath so often during the day. And it's like, ah, just take a breath. Absolutely. That's right. We either hold our breath and or breathe really shallowly in our chest throughout the day. And so when we stop and, and that's another reason when we're meditating, we're really taking those more full breaths. I mean, we're just letting them come and go. They're not deliberately full, but there's such a difference between that and how we tend to breathe shallowly in our chest throughout the day. And when we do breathe shallowly or hold our breath, That will often send a signal to our brain that we're operating in a low level of fight or flight, which is our body's reaction to perceived danger. And all kinds of bodily (laughs) reactions happen. We're not able to think as clearly. We are more exhausted more easily. We run out of energy and our body tends to think that we're under stress and under threat. And so when we take those deep breaths, we send a signal to our brain that there is no threat and we can operate more efficiently and more calmly. That's interesting. So when you have those shallow breaths and you lose your temper, you're in that flight or fight mode. Right, exactly. And so when we're operating in fight or flight, then that front part of our brain, called the prefrontal cortex, and that can help us see the big picture, plan, organize, be a little more open-minded when we're interacting with someone, that slows down or shuts down during fight or flight. And so when we take those deep breaths, we then uh, calm down the nervous system and that part of the brain can work more efficiently again. And we can think more clearly, we can choose our response rather than just reacting. So of course, this is super helpful with little ones who are mm-hmm. melting down and we're, that's very stressful. And we need to be thinking on our feet a lot of the time. And so if we're able to calmly choose our response, we might be able to distract a little one or, you know, kind of head a meltdown off at the pass versus just get lost in it with them. And we're yelling or we're we're reacting in a way we're we're not happy with ourselves about. Mm -hmm. So what made you focus on mindfulness therapy in your practice? Right. So um, probably about almost 20 years ago now, I started practicing yoga and I had kind of read a little bit about meditation here and there, but yoga was really my introduction to meditation. And if anyone's listening has ever practiced yoga at the end of the class, you get to lay down in Shavasana, which is corpse pose. And oftentimes the teacher will kind of run through some kind of guided meditation. So I had that experience. And then also I came across some reading uh, about mindfulness used in psychotherapy. And I was really fascinated by it because kind of the gold standard of therapy is cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's a lot about our thoughts and our behaviors. But to me, mindfulness included more of the holistic mind-body piece that I felt like was missing. And so I read more and found that my local hospital had an eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction program. And that's, it's a world-renowned program. It's been around about almost 40 years now. And, um, and I enrolled in that. And part of the homework for that is to meditate for a half an hour every day. I'm a recovering people pleaser, perfectionist type A. So I did so. I, um, you know, I faithfully meditated every day for half an hour. And after a few short weeks, I really started to notice some changes in my life. My daughter at the time was three and I was more patient. I was happier. I was feeling a little more efficient. Um, and And it was really hard for me, a hard sell to know and like that just to slow down in my life a notch 
would actually make me more productive, but it did. I continued meditating, went through training and ended up teaching in that same program at my hospital for about five years and incorporated mindfulness into my work with my patients as well. Mm -hmm. So you have two kids and in the book, you, you said a couple of times how they're 10 years apart. Right. So, so your daughter is in college, I think she yes. started college. Yeah. Yep. And your youngest is eight. eight? Right. He's okay. in second grade. Yes. Mm -hmm. So when you had your, your daughter, how has your mindfulness practice changed from your first child to your second? Do you do shorter ones now? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's exactly why the book was written because of my little guy. Yes. Because I knew Um, so with one, and she was always a great sleeper, and I started meditating daily when she was three. So we had a nice habit established. She would sleep. I'd get up early. I'd get my time in. It was very predictable that I knew I would have that time before anybody woke up. Um, and then I was pregnant with my son. <laughs> my daughter was about to turn 10, and I knew from experience there was no way I'd be meditating a half an hour every day with a newborn. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to hang on to a little bit of mindfulness. And, and at the same time, I was working with a lot of people, moms and other people in my office, where they wanted to meditate. And... Um, had the intention of meditating 20 or 30 minutes a day, but they wouldn't, they would not find the time, they wouldn't make the time, and they would be frustrated with themselves. And so I started teaching them five minute mindfulness too, and really saw that we can all benefit so much just from those five minutes a day. So that's how the whole <laughs> five minute mindfulness uh, was born through having my little guy. So Yeah. So since then, I mean, I used to be very kind of more strict with myself, like definitely a half an hour and not have my coffee until I had my meditation finished and those kinds of things. And then after my son, it was like, I'm just trying to survive. So <laughs> I uh, sometimes still meditate with my coffee. So I have a coffee mindful break in the book. And actually I have one when, when folks sign up for my email list, they get a guided, uh, my voice kind of guiding them through a coffee mindful break and, and a meditation. Yeah. So it's definitely, and it's not usually as long. I usually meditate about 10 minutes in the morning, sometimes uh, a little bit longer. So why did you decide on five minutes? Do you think because it, it prevents someone from saying they don't have five minutes? Right. So the mindful breaks themselves, they can last anywhere from 20 seconds, really, to, you know, five or 10 minutes, because that's something that's more designed to be integrated in the midst of our day. Um, but I do believe that, yes, that we can all carve out five minutes somewhere in our day, every day to meditate. But I also say in the book that if really five minutes feels absolutely too long for you, which is fine, and that's true for some people, to get started just one minute. But it's so much more important to establish that daily habit than it is to say, I'm going to, you know, set this cer certain amount of time aside. So mm -hmm. once we get in that daily habit, and also when we're learning any kind of habit, when we bookend it between two already established habits, we have the most success of it taking hold. So how many breaks of these should we be doing each day? Right. So I definitely don't recommend all of them. Like you said, <laughs> like, oh, there's so many, so they're, you know, they're meant to be kind of pulled out as you need them and play around with them. But I, what I recommend is start with one to five minutes of meditation a day, do that every day for a couple of weeks, then add one mindful break for a week or two, do that every day. So maybe you're doing your mindful break in the shower. Maybe you're doing your mindful break when you fold the laundry or when you're driving or um, having your cup of coffee. 
And if you do that every day for a couple of weeks, that starts to become a habit. It doesn't require energy or thought to remember. You just do it. And then you can stack on another mindful break and so forth. So before you know it, you know, in a couple of months, you might have five or 10 mindful breaks that you have sprinkled throughout your day. Mm. I read something uh, that you wrote, I think it was on your website, you say that mindfulness gives us an edge. I thought this was really interesting, because I've never heard of edge and mindfulness together. How can we benefit from having this edge just being mindful as women and mothers? Yeah, and it's been referred to as a superpower and all of those things, because what's so powerful about it is it's it's our awareness, because when we're not aware, and we just go through our days, and we're putting out fires, and we're just reacting to everything, we're just getting pulled along in the stream. But when we're more intentional, when we pause, and we have a little bit of awareness of huh, what am I thinking right now? Or what am I feeling in my body sensations? Or what are my emotions? We start to recognize how that drives our habits and our behaviors. And then we have control. We have control over how we change things. And I'm a huge proponent also of just shifting one little thing at a time. You know, this isn't about a huge make self makeover. It's about How do we want to intentionally grow and shape our lives to be the best people we want to be? Yeah. So it's, it is really a superpower in that way. It's about the awareness. Mm -hmm. There's one part of the book you talk about setting a foundation for doing these mindful breaks. Can you explain what is the triangle of awareness? Oh, sure. Yeah. So that's, Another way to think about mindfulness is if you imagine a triangle and the three points of the triangle correspond to our thoughts, our body sensations, and our emotions. And each point is very much interconnected and mutually affects the other. For example, I can sit here and I can have a thought about, oh, I really loved um, you know, snuggling up with my son before school this morning. And that's a thought. My body sensations, I might feel some um, like warmth in my chest and my muscles might relax. I might smile a little bit and I feel love and happiness and contentment. Likewise, I can have a thought of, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. I have not enough time to get it all done. And it's just a thought, same thing. And my body might tense up. My shoulders might start to move up towards my ears. I might feel pressure in my chest and the emotions might be a little bit of anxiety and stress and so powerful. And the more we can recognize at any point in our day, we can recognize what's going on in my triangle and just be curious and and ask what those three points are. Again, anytime it can interrupt. So for example, if, if I'm reacting and I'm in a feeling overwhelmed stress, that's a perfect time to say, ah, what's going on in my body right now? Look at my shoulders. They're way up. I am breathing shallowly in my chest. And that's my clue to pause and take a few deep breaths to calm down that fight or flight. So the more awareness, again, we have, and even body sensations can be really subtle, but the more we start to pay attention to them, they can be filled with so much information uh, for us as moms and also teaching it to our kids because you know, we talk about follow your gut or, you know, that, mm-hmm. intu- that intuition or whatever. And sometimes it's really obvious what it's telling us. And sometimes it's really not. So the more we are practiced at paying attention to it, we start to recognize, ah, this is what happens when, you know, when I'm feeling a little anxious, or I might wake up in the morning and sit down and meditate and recognize there's a little bit of pressure in my chest. And if I had just hopped up and not sat down to, to pay attention, I would never notice that all day long, but it's information and just say, Hmm, okay, come, let me be curious about that. It's telling me something. So there's mm-hmm. so much to be 
to be uh, gleaned from paying attention to the points of our triangle. So let's talk about some of the examples in the book. <laughs> I want, I picked out the ones I really, really loved and I thought were a little bit different than the obvious ones that you might think of when you're taking a break. Um, so one of them is the snap break, mm. which um, it breaks down to stop, notice, accept, pay attention. Right. Uh, so explain how this one works. Right. So yeah, in the book, I, I share a story of just coming home from a work meeting that kind of was like, oh, draining me. And I was coming in the door sort of tired and frustrated. And, you know, my, my little one was like running laps literally around the house <laughs> and, you know, just the normal chaos. And I was like, oh my gosh, I really, I'm gonna, I'm just on the edge here and I could feel that. So this is where mindfulness can be so helpful too, right? So I'm, I'm already knowing I am like, I am on the edge here. And thankfully, I have a supportive partner in my husband. So I was like, I need to go take a little, just a couple minutes. And it was also like a, you know, a winter cold uh, day where we're all inside and sort of trapped inside. So I go into my closet sometimes. It's not even like a walk-in closet per se, but it's big enough for me because, you know, it takes them a while to find me in there. And um <laughs> So, and it's the quietest place that I can find in the, in the house behind the, you know, two closed doors. So, and just go and sit and breathe and just reconnect with my breath and, and relax my body since, you know, my um, tight muscles and, and so forth. And it's really a way to kind of get a grip on myself again and say, all right, just a couple of minutes. And now I'm ready to go out there and kind of be with my family again. So, all right, it's stopping, recognizing that we do need to pause sometimes to calm ourselves down and take a little time out if at all possible. Um, notice what's here. So I might notice like, oh, I feel like, you know, a, a kind of a tension headache and my jaws tight and I can bring awareness to my breath, the inhale, the exhale. And again, this is where meditation comes in because if I'm practiced at that if I've been doing that every morning it's very familiar and I can just drop right in to notice that inhale and exhale it's a habit that I've it's a skill I'm building and then proceed you know into the next part, part of your day I just love this because <laughs> I thought it was like such an honest moment that you were sharing hiding yeah. in your closet and it's okay if I want to hide sometimes too. Oh yeah. <laughs> like you're not a bad mom. And I actually, um, for me, I had this moment uh, last week, we've been cold and the kids have been sick and I just, I told them like, I have to go check the laundry. I went downstairs and I just stayed there. All right. I'm like, just take a mental break. And, you know, eventually my son was like, mom, what are you? <laughs> but just a breather. And I, and I remembered reading this in your book and I just keep thinking about it. I'm like, it's okay. You're allowed to do this. It's okay. <laughs> Completely. And I would even say, you know, it's all right to let our kids know, like I am going for a little break and it's to save you all also, you know what I mean? So no, but really, I mean, in all seriousness, because it's, um, you know, it's, it models for them that this is what I'm doing to go calm myself down. And then it, you know, we can teach it to them too. And, and it takes time, but, um, but that it's, we all need to do this the rest of our lives and that's okay. And it's a wonderful tool to have. So yeah, definitely. You don't need mm -hmm. to, you don't need to pretend you're doing laundry. <laughs> 
Okay, let's talk about another one. This one, Awaking with Gratitude. I love this because how often do we think, oh my gosh, I didn't get enough sleep. Oh no, it's too early. All those thoughts are easy to, to think about in the morning or, oh, I have to get to work and all of these. I love how you talked about this. So what is it, Waking with Gratitude? Right. So this is a great example of, you know, a mindful break that I've been practicing probably five years or something like that. Like it's just something that I do automatically and don't think about anymore. So it's basically I have this old ancient alarm clock and it beeps at me and I snooze it for five minutes because there is danger that I could fall back asleep in five minutes easily. But, um, and so in that time I am still under the covers comfy, but I think about everything I'm grateful for. And I think about the typical ones that I, that come up every day, my family, my health, um, whatever. And then I also try to come up with something new or different every day too, just because it keeps it a little more fresh. And that's such a nice way. And then we can go into our day on the lookout for what else we are grateful for throughout the day. And it's often those little things, not Mm -hmm. the big things that Mm -hmm. matter so much. And it's like once you train your mind to see the positive thing, then it, it, it's easier. I guess you do it instinctively uh, afterwards. Right. We're, we're literally changing those uh, neural networks in our brain. And we that's through practice, definitely, and, and um, repetition. And, and along those lines, there's another mindful break in the book that I love about the I get to versus I have to. You were talking about that, like, oh, I didn't get enough sleep. And, you know, and, it's, mm. and that's hard and that's real sometimes. But so it's also, you know, and I, I use it in the context in the book of getting up at 2 a.m., you know, with the little one and being like, oh, my gosh, here we go again, mm-hmm. you know. But anytime we can say to ourselves, you know, I get to, I get to go in there and like, you know, smell that little fuzzy head (laughs) and Mm -hmm. uh, snuggle that little baby. And, you know, what a privilege that is. It's still hard. I mean, we're still changing the dirty diaper or whatever, and we're exhausted, but it really can shift things and make them easier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. That's why when you go through these mindful breaks, you're like, oh, that's true. I should do this. Yes. I'm (laughs) like, you just, you think, oh, I'm grateful for this. So, okay. The next one, the three breath hug. Yes. Everybody loves the three breath hug and they, and they should, and it's good. We teach it to our kids or our loved one our spouse or whatever, um, a big bear hug. And then we coordinate three deep inhales and three deep exhales together. And it's very calming. It's very connecting. So it's nice to use if we're trying to calm down, you know, some kids are receptive to it to calm down. Some aren't, and you know, your kid and what will work and try it out. I know a family once who talked about using it, they do kind of a group three breath hug before they leave for the day um, and kind of connects them. And in the book, I talk about the story of my daughter that she was about five when I taught her the three breath hug. And so one day I was having another one of those moments in the, in the bathroom, I was having a little meltdown in the bathroom, a mommy moment. And she slipped a note under the door that said, meet me in my room for a three breath hug. (laughs) And what is so cool is that just a year ago, I had somebody who was asking me to borrow some of my my books on teaching meditation to kids and I pulled it out and there was that bookmark in the book that note that she had written me um like 10 years later so that was very cool to find cute that's so cute it's true because you don't think of 
giving a hug and I'm thinking even like my partner he he told me once like I just want you to hold me like when I've had a tough day that's it I'm like that's it (laughs) right right yes I read you hold long enough until like their shoulders drop like Mm, that's nice yeah and that's when you know it you can let go yeah or or don't be the first one to let go yeah Mm. let them yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah, that's beautiful. Next one, this too is passing. Mm, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I can have a flashback to this one. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, those tough moments that we have. And I and I share that story in, in Breathe Mama Breathe about taking my, my little guy to preschool for the first time. I think he was three and um, he didn't want to go. And it really, and it, part of it was for me to get some work done. You know, it was like three mornings a week or something like that and get work done from home. And part of it was like, I just knew he would like it once he figured out his way. And he was sobbing in the backseat of the car and just begging me to not go. And he was telling me he is fine to stay home by himself when I lied to him and said I had to go to work. (laughs) And I was like, I don't think you're three. And it was a really heart wrenching six minute drive. And I knew it was six minutes because it was it felt like forever. But to the place when we have to watch somebody we love suffering, um, hurting, and that's really, really painful. So it's again, it's this allowing and relaxing our body, taking those deep breaths and hanging on to that mantra that this too is passing. It's always changing. It's always passing. And if we can just hang on to each breath, just this inhale, just this exhale, it really helps us ride that storm when it feels so, so challenging. I liked how you said that sometimes you keep repeating it, but you say it out loud. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. I think people looked at me probably like, what is going on in there? But, you know, but, you know, then like the third or fourth day, the following week, he woke up in the morning and he was like, I'm going today. And I said, yeah, he's like, do you think I should cry? And I said, I don't think you need to. And he said, "Okay," And that was done. So I was like, "Woo!" it was short lived, but it's hard in the moment. Mm-hmm. Because especially, especially I think with our first one or when we have little ones close together, you, you don't know it's going to be different because mm-hmm. you're just in it. So for me, with my second one, 10 years later, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I know this is totally going to pass. And it's, I, it gives me that perspective. And I don't have to sweat the small things as much as I did when I just had my daughter, you know, in the beginning and my first one. Yeah, that's true. It's always a phase. Like eventually you're on yes. to the next one. Thankfully, yes. <laughs> Let's give them to the one about unpleasant moments. I was surprised when you wrote that our emotions, they only last 90 seconds. Yes. So if we don't react, then I guess they pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that amazing? It's It really is. Um. Yeah. And that's the piece to, to kind of remember and using that similar, like this too is passing, um, using that piece with knowing that we can feel really sad. We can feel really angry or frustrated, but what we tend to do is like, I can't believe this is happening. Why me? Why is this all, you know, and we add so much fuel to the fire and we Mm -hmm. keep adding it on and adding it on and we swirl around in our heads and that's what keeps us stuck. If we are able to say, okay, look, look there, I am, I am angry or I am frustrated or, and then we notice how that, again, going back to the triangle, what's happening, what do I notice in my body? Oh, I really feel this in my stomach or my chest or whatever that is. And then we offer ourselves a little bit of compassion. And I always say, put your hands to your chest and uh, 
to your heart and take those deep breaths there because that's also very calming and soothing for us, um, then it, it will pass. And if we just allow it, because we fight against unpleasantness, we resist because of course we do why we don't want it there, mm -hmm. like go away. Um, but when we say, you know, it's here, can I just accept that it's here and this is what it's like? Um, it does release its grip more easily. That's good. <laughs> I'll remember that. One. Yeah, yeah. Don't react and it'll pass. And maybe you're going to, you know, mention this, but just that all of these things are lifelong practice. And sometimes, you know, you can read about it, you can practice it, and sometimes we get it right and sometimes we don't. And when we don't, then it's about forgiving ourselves too, that sometimes we're going to be able to put these things into practice and sometimes we just get sucked into it and it's the way it is. Let's talk about prepping to launch. And I think this one applies more to mothers that have kids that are leaving the home, graduating from high school, uh, basically prepping them for the real world. So, yeah, I mean, to some degree, yes, it's, it, it can be part of that. And, but that's kind of keeping that in mind, which is, I think it's true for a lot of us. I know for myself, when my kids go through stages of growing up, it'll be like, this is just how we do it all the time. Like I tie your shoes or I pick out your clothes or, and I forget to sometimes step back and be like, wait a minute, you're old enough now you can do this. You know? So I think every so often assessing, is this something that they can do for themselves? Um, are they now at that phase where they can do it independently? And, and anytime we say yes to that, then it's probably a good idea to let them do that. And having said that, there are things that we still might want to do for them because we're choosing it, not because we feel like we have to. And I think I use the example of, you know, making breakfast for my daughter because she was in high school and she definitely could have made her own breakfast, but I didn't mind. I was already up. I'd make her tea, I'd make her bagel and have it there for her. And that was sort of my way to show her I loved her. So that there are times that yes, she can do it herself, but I'm choosing to do that. But for the most part, can they take on some of these tasks themselves? And keeping that in mind, we are prepping them to launch eventually even though it feels maybe so far away. Mm -hmm. And I loved how you say that this fosters resilience and it's one of the greatest qualities we can give our children, like to get them ready to do it, I guess, on their own once they're older. And Yeah, right. And, and that sort of uh, that growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. So mm -hmm. I can struggle a little bit and do it and learn how to do it. I can figure it out um, rather than just I can't. Mm-hmm. Another one I really enjoyed was the Wonder Woman. Yeah. And yeah, tell us what it is. So basically, it's about confidence and assertiveness. And Amy Cuddy wrote this book called Presence. And she did research about power posing and standing with your hands on your hips and your feet kind of hip width apart, standing up nice and tall for a minute or two actually increases the uh, testosterone in the saliva of the research participants that were studied. And the testosterone that is that helps us with assertiveness and confidence. And it actually decreased the cortisol in the saliva, which is the stress hormone. And so that we really can, through being aware of our posture and our body, how we're holding ourselves, increase our confidence and assertiveness. 
Mm-hmm. There was a Canadian psychologist who also said that we should learn how to stand tall. And just like like you're saying, it's kind of ridiculous just thinking if you stand tall, you could feel more confident and empowered and strong just by standing correctly. Right. Well, and it's, again, it's all that mind-body connection of when we are hunched forward and in that protective stance with our body, the way women tend to take up less space and, you know, fold ourselves in on ourselves, that does make us more quiet. And and it's a little bit more of that protective and we're more open and confident when we allow our bodies to take up more space in that way. Mm -hmm. I think one of my favorite ones in the book it just makes me smile when I uh, think about it the mommy high fives yeah well, basically, um, you know, I, I talk to a lot of moms and so it's that we all have this similar experience of we forget to do one thing. It's like, oh my gosh, I forgot to put the permission slip in this thing or I forgot one piece of whatever this is and we beat ourselves up. It's like, how could I? How could I forget this? But then you forget that you have remembered 999 <laughs> things mm-hmm. this month and you didn't drop that ball. So it's like if we drop one ball, we're so hard on ourselves. And so the mommy high fives are about um, counteracting that negative uh, slant that we all as human beings have and being on the lookout for anything we can give ourselves credit for. So it is like, hey, I I remembered, I don't know, I remembered to make that appointment. You know, all these little things that we do all day long that we take for granted. And sometimes nobody else is giving us credit. So we need to do that for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And you see examples of things to say like, yes, I rock. I'm amazing. (laughs) Uh Does this work only if we say it out loud? I don't think so. I don't actually, I don't know the research about that. Um, No, you definitely don't have to be saying it out loud. Okay. Yep. It's really recognizing it and, you know, it can be a a totally silent internal (laughs) cheer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you even said it, it makes, it makes us uncomfortable to like congratulate ourselves, but uh I mean, if you wait for someone else to do it, you might be waiting a long time, especially as moms. Yes, yes. And having said that, you know, I I always recommend people I work with that in your house, you know, so we want to do it for ourselves, but we also want to do it for our partners and our kids and get in a culture, have a culture in our house of recognizing and thanking and kind of calling out the positives because we know positive reinforcement is really motivating So Mm -hmm. then hopefully we, you know, we can develop that culture within our houses. Mm. Like I went to the grocery store and cooked dinner tonight. Yay. (laughs) No kidding though. I mean, that's no small feat. So just because we do it every day, you know, definitely. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, and that shifts too, because sometimes it's just like when you have a baby and we have a newborn, it's like, I showered, woo, you know, it's like, that is amazing. So, <laughs> oh gosh, this is so funny. You talk also about stretch. And I like to mention this because I think just stretch, taking that five minute mindful break to stretch your body it can be so helpful, even if you're working like at work, sitting on a chair, getting up. And it's about moving our bodies and just, you know, for the sake of moving that we know it makes us feel better and also awareness. 
So it's sort of twofold. It can really energize us when we move our body, even just gentle stretching. We just move the, you know, the, the blood around and, and the, the muscles get in motion, but also it helps us be more aware of our bodies. And so this can, once again, we come back to that information. I might recognize uh, some discomfort or tightness or imbalance. And also it can help with uh, mindful eating. So it can really reinforce the more aware we are of our body, we can recognize hunger cues. You know, am I really hungry or um, am I feeling bored? Or, you know, because the emotions of boredom, anxiety, loneliness can feel hollow in our belly, almost like hunger. And so the more we can pay attention to those things, we can distinguish between the two. So if we're trying to kind of lose a little weight or maintain our weight, that's a really helpful thing too. But back to stretching, I mean, you know, kind of maybe go through the body from head to toe or just do what feels good because that's what's going to motivate us to do more. Mm -hmm. And the last one I wanted to mention is your little slice of heaven. Mm, right. Yeah. Yeah. Not forgetting, especially in the midst of motherhood with little ones that we need to do things that we love that fill us up and that energize us. And, you know, I'm not sure if this is where I said it in the book, but there, you know, I can work with women who will say, I'll be like, so what do you like to do for fun? And they just like, crickets stare off into the distance (laughs) and they're like I don't remember I don't know and you know it's it's sad and it's because we can lose sight of that so to make sure that either get in touch with what you used to if you don't know what you love to do you know you can ask what did I like to do as a kid what have I always thought oh well that sounds cool I'd like to be I'd like to try that and just go try it you know or get back into those habits that maybe you were involved in before you had kids but to Mm -hmm. make sure that you carve out that time and really really protected because it does, you know, putting our own oxygen mask on first, it really makes us better people and mothers and partners. And we don't need to feel guilty. You know, I, I talk about really, I protect my time. I love to exercise and I really look at my calendar each week and I'll say, okay, this is where I can get it in each day. And I really protect that time because I know, and my family knows it, I'm a much happier person when I have that. How do you tell your children that, okay, I I need to go do this by myself or explain your you time? Well, I think it's in those ways to say that mommy, mommy loves you. And it's not that I want to be away from you, although that might be true sometimes, but it's more, I feel so good when I love to do this. And this is something mommy does for me. And, you know, and they may pull at us and, and try to, you know, not on purpose, of course, but, you know, it could tug at our heartstrings and we can start to feel guilty about it. But it's knowing that they'll start to see that mommy's a person too, who has interests and, you know, and that she comes back and she is happy and really more tuned in and excited to be with us. And so we really do need to protect that. Mm-hmm. So this, this can be a five minute thing, or it can be like uh, an afternoon, it can be on your days off, like this one, you can stretch it as much as as you want, basically. Definitely. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I have to ask you, how did you think of all of these different mindful breaks? Like, is it over the years from your patients, your own experience? Um, How did you get inspired with all of these different ideas? Yeah, I think all of the above. And I am an avid reader. I love to read and learn and find out the research behind positive habits and positive psychology. And so it was all kind of coming together that it's things I teach and use and practice myself. 
stuff. And um, yeah, so it wasn't hard, actually. <laughs> the writing itself is hard. But the, you know, the coming up with all of the, the mindful breaks themselves, they're all things that I use. Mm-hmm. So you explained that we can start with some mindful meditation a few minutes and then add a few of them during your week and your days. You also have a new book that was released, I believe, last October, right. um, Breathe and Power Achieve, Five Minute Mindfulness for Women Who Do It All. So is it more for overachievers and working women? Who did you have in mind specifically when you wrote this book? As most people do, write the book that I need to be reading. Mm -hmm. So, um, so this is kind of coming out of the trenches with little ones and looking up and saying, you know, what's my purpose besides my kids? And I, you know, I did have my work as a therapist and, and, and so forth, but it's about creating balance and playing bigger in our lives. So it is for more high achieving women who want to step out of their own way, play bigger and create balance. And it also has, um, well, this one has 50 mindful breaks and they're, they're broken down into the breathe breaks are more calming for calm and awareness. Like we're, we've been talking about with some of the, the mindful breaks and breathe mama breathe. Then there are empower breaks, which are about assertiveness and confidence. And then achieve breaks are about getting uh, in tune with our values and our big dreams. And then how do we break that down into those little micro action steps so we can reach our goals in life. So whatever success means like means for each of us. Yeah. And I wanted to mention too, that I do have um, coming out this spring, I've developed a monthly membership subscription called the beehive. So it's based on breathe and power achieve. And I'm really excited about that. And so basically, is uh, is it coaching that so you'll be giving online? So it's basically a closed group that I'll, I'll open the doors to uh, founding members and there'll be applications coming out in the next month or so. And it'll be a, a video of me kind of giving a, a lesson each month and there'll be there'll be monthly topics. I'll have some guest interviews. There'll be a live monthly hour-long Q&A. People, the women will be able to interact with each other. And then there'll be worksheets and, and journal prompts to work through over the course of the month as well. That's great. Yeah. Wow, you're busy woman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I love um, it though. So where can listeners find more about you? My website is shondamorales.net and I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and my books are available wherever books are sold. Perfect. I have one last question. This one I asked to everyone that comes on the podcast. So we all know that being a mother, a parent is a roller coaster of emotions and experiences, keeping motherhood inspired. What one thing have you found kept you inspired and energized throughout your mom journey? Oh boy. Yeah. Um, I would, I would have to go back to meditating and taking that time for myself and really uh, protecting it and putting my own oxygen mask on first. So then I can be intentional with how I want to be with my kids. Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired podcast. If you think someone would enjoy to listen to this episode, please share it with them. You can share the link wherever you're listening or go to our website at www.citruslove.com slash episode and the number where you will find the episode as well as all the information about the guests or the specific episode. The best way to get our podcast ranked is by leaving me a review 
wherever you're listening, two, three, four, five, six stars, whatever you feel reflect podcast. This will not only let me know what needs to be improved as well as what you particularly love. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.